What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of the Justin Ledger Show. This was a really fun one with Pete Blackburn of CBS Sports. To me, this was a way long overdue interview. Pete was two years above me at Endicott College, and every professor who knew I wanted to get into sports media told me he was the guy to talk to. I interviewed him when I was the sports editor for the Endicott Observer, and later on, he actually got me my first quote-unquote job out of school at a startup. Pete has a great Twitter presence. He formerly co-hosted the Section 10 podcast, has a pop culture podcast with DJ Bean called Brunch, and now he's getting into the video game streaming space. He's doing a little bit of everything, which made this a great interview that covered a little bit of everything. So please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review if you can. It'll be much appreciated and it'll go a long way as we're just getting started with the show. On that note, let's get into the episode with Pete Blackburn. All right, I'm happy to have on Pete Blackburn. Uh, We were talking before this. I feel like this is a long time coming. Uh, Obviously, I knew of you at Endicott. You were, what class, when did you graduate again? Uh, 2013. 2013. All right. So I was 2015. So you were a couple years, you were a communications major. So I heard your name every single time I talked to a professor about sports media. They pointed me in your direction for a lot of things. Uh, I ended up interviewing you for the sport for the newspaper too. I don't know if you remember that. And that's kind of how we built that connection. Um, So I wanted to start there because I feel like that's an important thing, like starting with Endicott, Go Goals, all that good stuff. Uh, How did that help you like did you what did you learn from Endicott that actually prepared you today because I feel like when I look back on my own experience it's like all right well I kind of taught myself everything and there were like maybe one or two classes that actually helped me I wonder if you have that same experience yeah for sure I I um I I have always been somebody who says like the like the best piece of advice that I can give people is to just like do stuff on their own and don't wait for um, like, don't wait for the perfect opportunity. And uh, like, when I was at school, I didn't I didn't do the newspaper because I, uh, I started my own blog my freshman year. And I was like, if I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write about stuff that I want to write about, right. like, I'm not I don't want to really do like, cover the sports team at, at a D3 school and stuff like, I wanted to write about the stuff that I was most passionate about. So um, like, I got my hands on experience that way. But I will say like at Endicott, it is a small school and the communications department is small. So like being able to do like the radio show, I did a radio show for four years there and that was really uh, important for me. Like just being able to like getting the push in the right direction um, and, and having the opportunity and like the availability to be able to do that for four years was, was clutch. But uh, I would say like the classes, they are, they are what they are. Like it's a lot of like media studies and I, I, I wouldn't say that I learned a ton of like, applicable skills most of that stuff came from my own sort of just like trial and error yeah I think that's an important thing too like if there's any people listening who are either just getting in the field or maybe they're in the middle of it right now uh, the hands-on stuff is what is actually going to help you out like if you go to a class and just like sleep for 20 minutes of it and then the rest of it like you maybe you pick one thing up but you're gonna forget it in like a month so that's that's kind of what I gathered out of school too and I actually started my own site the ledge I don't know if you've even looked at it but I it's similar 
concept of what you had with the nosebleeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was, how, how did you, I think the nosebleeds kind of is what, like you were just saying, propelled you into this field more so than whatever you gathered, uh, in college. How did you turn that into something that got a following? Because I think a lot of people, including myself, they make a blog, they're kind of half-assing it a little bit. Maybe they have a couple writers too, and it just doesn't evolve into anything else. How did you actually make it something that had a little bit of a following and then turned into something later on? Yeah, I mean, for a while, it, it didn't have a following. Nobody really read it. And yeah. I mean, at that point, it, it didn't really matter to me. Obviously, I, I would have preferred that people were reading it. But uh, again, like I was using it as an opportunity and, and like an outlet to sort of hone my skills and find my voice and, and like keep myself busy um, outside of outside of classes and things like that. So yeah. Um, like it's, it's a slow grind to try to, to, to build an audience or whatever. Um, but I, I, we, I like just researched how to grow a blog and, and, um, we joined a, like a, a network that, that sort of put us on, on, uh, on display every once in a while, uh, the yard barker network. It was, it was a lot, a lot different than what it is right now, but like back in the day, Fox sports owned yard barker, which was like a, a network of. 300 or something blogs and they would just sort of like aggregate content from all these amateur blogs. And so, uh, I did that. I made a little bit of money from that. And so, um, it was just sort of like a motivational thing to keep going. And over like the course of two to three, four years, we had a small following, like a small regular following, I would say. And then like what really sort of took us to the next level was Twitter and, and being able to kind of like have a voice, a unique voice on Twitter and be able to share like highlights. And that's how I got right. into to gifting and, and, and cutting video and editing video. So I would do a lot of highlight stuff um, in, in college and, and I would share it on Twitter. And, and that's sort of how you gain a uh, like a social traction. And, right. and then we got eyes on the blog that way, too. Was it ever sort of, I don't want to say a fear, because that's not really the word I'm looking for, but kind of scary for you in a way to like put yourself out there? Because a lot of this, this profession i guess is is kind of putting yourself out there on all platforms kind of being who you are and if you're not true to yourself then you're you're probably not going to make it because people can see right through that but mm -hmm. then you're also going to get like the twitter trolls you're going to get the people who kind of shit on you for the things you like and then you're going to feel like shit about yourself has that ever been a factor for you or you just kind of look right past that um no i would say uh, like the opposite like it was a sort of like a uh some like a part that drew me in, I guess, like I grew up wanting to be like a, like a classic sports writer, like a traditional sports writer. And I was going to ask you that if you were like, if you came into it with like a traditional journalism kind of yeah. mindset and then it turned into something completely different. Yeah. Like I feel like every, every part of me was heading towards being like a traditional journalist. Like yeah. I, I, I loved it from, from when I was like a young kid, I used to write fake sports articles as like a 12 year old yeah. uh, after games that I would watch on TV. Um, and like, I was like the editor in chief of my high school newspaper. And like, I was all about newspapers and stuff. And then like the closer I got to that field, like around the time that I was in college, I, I realized that like everybody was, was pretty miserable and jaded and, and like, you, you realize that pretty quickly too. I think if, yeah. you're, if you're coming up, like you see all the beat, right? It's not glamorous at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. cool for a little while. Cause you're like, right. Oh my God, that's David Ortiz. That's so-and-so. And you're like, that runs right. out pretty quick. And, yeah. uh, and so like, 
the closer I got to it, the more I realized like my my uh, like my personality and my skill set does not lean towards me being a traditional sports writer. Right. Um, and so like once I figured that out, I you know I was all in on just well I'm gonna be myself. I'm gonna be authentic. I'm gonna try to be funny. I'm gonna I'm not gonna be afraid of, of doing things that are like outside of the box or saying things that are outside of the box and writing with a with a stronger voice. Um, like I see, I see so many people that are like, well, I want to be a sports writer and they, they follow what they think the mold is. And they, they are like, well, I'll, I have to dull down my personality. I have to be like a, a, a robot, a reporter. Right. And even just like the way that the industry is trending right now, even if you are not like a, a crass person or like a obnoxious person like me, you don't have to hide your personality because the like this the industry standard is no longer just like a a to b sports writer you can be a lot of different things and and a lot of these media outlets want you to be different things and have personality because social media i think now is sort of like what drives what people read so sure. if you're funny and interesting on social media or you're different on social media you're going to have more eyes on you so that i i learned that and for the most part i would say that it's worked out has it ever worked the opposite way or it's like, you're too much, like you're, you're expressing yourself a little too much. We needed to kind of water it down a little bit because this isn't our brand and all that kind of bullshit. You could swear yeah. by the way. I don't care. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for, for sure. Um, like there, there have been places that I've worked uh, where, you know, my bosses, it's, it's interesting because like I, it, so I'll just say it like I, when I was at Fox sports, I, I got hired via DM on Twitter. Like right. I, they were like, we want you to come work here. And was that so right like, after next impulse? The that startups was, that you work for? No, or that I, was, that was up rocks. I went from it. next oh, impulse to right. up rocks. And then got I it. went from up rocks to, to Fox. So got like it. while I was writing for up rocks, I was writing with my voice. I was, I was doing weird Twitter stuff and I got hired by Fox sports from there. And so like when I joined Fox sports, I was like, I, I assumed that, you know, they knew what they were getting and with my Twitter personality, but I would also admit that like, I was a dumb kid and, and um, like, you can't say stuff about like Fox personalities when you work at Fox. So uh, I guess that I, makes I, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I had to like learn the ropes there a little bit, but I did get in trouble at Fox for like my Twitter more than, than anywhere else. Like I've been at CBS for about probably like around three years at this point, And I've n very, very few times has anybody ever said anything about my Twitter. And I feel like uh, over the past few years, there have been a few times where I, I could have been yelled at. And so, um, you know, I, I think that like, for me, it's important to, to have that freedom. And I think working in a place where I, I didn't necessarily have that, or they tried to, you know, say tone it down a little bit. Th that's a, that's something that I can move forward and say like, well, this is something that I need. Yeah. Absolutely. What's an example of something that kind of got you in some hot water? Well, I mean, I, there the biggest one is the uh, the the Baron Trump tweet. That yeah, I, I don't get that. Why was that? I mean, it was a, it was clearly a joke. It was clearly but, like, a joke. You did have I, you had I, some I did, people like going at you. I know that. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, like I will admit, like uh, you pr should probably leave kids out of it. I thought that it was it was very tongue in cheek um, and very just like a throwaway tweet. But uh, you know, one. I was working for Fox at the time and Fox is very right. conservative. And so, Oh, that's very true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So like I, 
they wanted to fire me. Well, the the like the the president of Fox wanted to fire me after that tweet. Really? And my bosses actually went to bat for me, and they were like, "No, he's he's good. We we want to keep him. Let's find any way we can to to not lead this to a termination." And so I got very lucky in in that sense, and it was one of my dumber tweets for sure. Um, but that's <laughs> definitely the one that has gotten me. Uh, like I've never I've never actually gotten like in trouble trouble outside of that tweet. That I got a suspension right. from that one. Fair enough, I guess. When you look at it that way, like involving kids and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. almost like a lesser version of what happened with Portnoy and like the that whole ordeal. Much much lesser version, but like it's yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's just like for the for the most part, like the way that I looked at it when I tweeted it was like basically like that that family is like a cartoon to me. Like they're not even like yeah, real people. Totally. So like I was like, oh well, we all talk shit about uh about Joffrey <laughs> Baratheon and uh like King Joffrey. So I was like. Uh, why not? I'll just go for it. And, and uh, it, it was a stupid tweet for sure. I've learned my lesson there. I'll leave kids yeah, well, that's it. good. Uh, you mentioned Fox, obviously. So that leads me to the whole like pivoting to video shit that went on and that did not work out for them at all. Predictably. Um, that whole chapter of your life where that was going down, was there ever a time where it crossed your mind? Like this sports shit's not working. I got to pivot. I got, I just said pivot on ironically, but uh, it, like I got to do something else like it, or was that just like, all right, on to the next one. Cause it is hard to find a job in this field. I don't think people realize how difficult it really is. No. Yeah, it really is. And, and it's like, even for me, like I wasn't the, like the biggest thing going at the time. And, and obviously like when Fox laid off everybody, uh, they laid off pretty much everybody. So there were a lot of people put out into the, uh, the field of free agency, I had a hard time finding finding a job after that. Like it, it took a while. Um, like most of the offers that I had come in were either part time or, or freelance, and uh, I was like, I was saying like, if I didn't get a full time job, I was gonna, I was, I just, I, I wasn't gonna fall into the trap of of doing part time right. or freelance. So, um, yeah, I mean, like it was difficult. I, I don't know if there was there was a, a point where I was like, screw sports, I'm I'm out of here. But yeah. I've all I've all always said that like if I have a, something that I'm passionate about and it's not in sports, like I'm not tied to sports. I worked at Uprocks and um, when I was at Uprocks, I was sort of split between sports and uh, pop culture, and I would for sure like be interested in 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 doing like honestly any job where it you know I'm interested and in, uh, I enjoy it on a day to day basis. It it doesn't matter what it is like even like my podcast with DJ bean is very much not about sports. Um, we talk about sports every once in a while, but like it is not sports. And, and so like, if I can do something that I'm passionate about, that's all I care about where I don't have to wake up uh, every morning and dread, dread going to work. That's all I care about. We're in the same boat there. And I think that's probably, that probably sums up most people, at least what they hope to be doing. I mean, no one wants to work in a job that 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 fucking sucks. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Um, but obviously like you just said, you work in sports, but you've established a brand outside of it as well. Like you, I, maybe it's through brunch, the, your podcast with DJ. Um, but are there any other way, like how have you managed to establish that brand? I guess it's t- Twitter too. Like, is there, what goes into establishing a brand? So you're not just classified as the sports guy. Um, I guess like Twitter's really important for that because there is 
like the, the very loud people on Twitter that say like stick, stick to sports, you're a sports writer. And, and like, I've always looked at it like, well, uh, Twitter is a reflection of self and like, that's how I use it. That's why a lot of my tweets are, are crass and uh, like very random and stupid. It's because I'm crass and very random and stupid. Like yeah. that's who I, a reflection of who I am. And I look at Twitter as a reflection of self, not a reflection of like professional self or work. Right. Um, so obviously like a ton of it is sports because I'm passionate about sports, but like the, the, the things that I am passionate about will be reflected through my Twitter as well. Um, and so like, I, I, I never subscribe to the stick to sports thing because I have interests outside of sports. And so, right. you know, honestly, it's just sort of whatever I'm passionate about will shine through in, in what I'm doing because it's just the way that I'm programmed to, to be uh, forthright about that kind of stuff and, and sort of present myself as like the, an authentic person. And so like, I don't necessarily look at it as being like, well, I have to establish a brand where uh, I'm not just talking about sports and and, and opening up opportunities outside of sports. It's more of just, well, I'm going to talk about whatever I want to and whatever, whatever I, whatever I like would like to discuss at the moment. That's a good point because I think a lot of people approach social media like I got I got to post whatever gets the most likes, the most retweets, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. I've from from following you, from following DJ, that's definitely not the case. Like you guys yeah. will just whip out the phone and say something and then it'll it'll like it, you're not tr- it's clear you're not trying to get that clout or anything Yeah, like and that. and like uh, people do that and people do it really well and it works yeah. out for them, but for me there's nothing more of a turnoff than like when I when I can tell that somebody is doing something with just the purpose of clout or just the purpose of like interactions. And me and DJ have talked about it quite a, quite a bit recently where it's like Twitter is basically becoming just prompt Twitter where it's like somebody will just tweet out a question and being like, well, I hope, I hope, I hope a thousand people quote tweet this with their answers and stuff. It's just not, it's not like for me, it's not what Twitter is meant for. It's Twitter's meant for like just putting yourself out there, I Your guess. Stupid and, thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like anytime I can tell that, that somebody is not being authentic or doing something just for the sake of engagement, like hashtag engagement or hashtag clout, it's such a turnoff. And so um, I try to find ways to present it in, in, like even if I the, even if I am looking for engagement or if I am looking for um, like I mean everybody likes to to grow their numbers and have new followers and stuff like I try to find ways to do it with like my own sort of spice where it's not like please RT if you agree with this it's just, <laughs> that stuff sitting? just drives me crazy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, for the most part, people can see right through it too, which is why right. it's probably not the greatest idea. Unless you do have something you know is going to get in, people are going to laugh and it actually helps. Like People, people want to see in their timeline, which is very few and far between these days, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, another podcast you, you used to be on is Section 10, which I can't remember. I think you started right after Endicott, right? Because I, I think I was a senior at Endicott when it came out. Um, you started that with... Jared Carabas and Steve Peralt, two other Endicott guys. So if, if you count Jared as an Endicott guy, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
is it crazy to, for you to see how far that has come since like it, the show is in your basement, right? Like, is it, is it weird for you to see the success that, that they're having like live shows and everything now? Like how surreal is that? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's obviously the, the, like the biggest podcast for the, for the Red Sox in, yeah. in the world. And uh, like Jared's unbelievable. He's so good at what he does. And, and so uh and he's been good at what he does for, for so long. I mean, he was in, in high school churning out socks based blogs and, and, you know, his, he's charted his own course. And so like in that sense, I'm not surprised. And that's why I, why I joined him to do that. Cause I knew how good he was. Um, but I mean, it's just absolutely crazy how much it's blown up and, and knowing sort of where we started in our first episode that we recorded, we had to re-record because the sound was so bad. We were in, Classic. we were in uh, my spare bedroom. And then like the, the two episodes after that, we were in Jared's bedroom in his basement in Saugus. So like the fact that they have a studio now, the fact that they, you know, they're doing live shows and people are going out like crazy and, and packing bars for it. And, and even like when I, when I've gone to Red Sox games the past like two or three times, you see, section 10 merch all over the place Everywhere. so yeah. it is uh it is pretty crazy to see what it's become but it's not entirely surprising i mean those guys are great when you started it did you see this happening because you were like all right i'm with like I, i'm with the right people i know we're all gonna work hard at it and the red at that point like it wasn't like there was this great red Sox podcast already out there that you were competing with maybe there were a couple but i mean you guys established yourselves right away i feel like and w was there a thought in your head like okay this is going to be something big or no i mean i knew that it was going to be successful because again jared is is so good and yeah. uh um i think that like me and jared's combination of what we were what we brought to that podcast and like the, our chemistry because we'd been friends for a while um and we're both sort of like approaching things from the same same angle um yeah where we can kind of be different and funny and and um you know uh, talk about things in a way that nobody else can um i, I knew that it was going to be successful that way um but it, it was very much a well we'll kind of just see where this goes and wing it and like at the time jared was I think at the time Jared was part time with Barstool, like he had just started. I think you're and right. So, yeah. And so, like there was no, there was no thought that like Barstool was going to throw its weight behind this podcast. Right. So we were kind of like, well, this will this will be successful and people will listen to this. But I had no idea that it was going to be what it is now. Absolutely not. It was just you and Jared at the beginning, right? And then Steve came later. Is that how it went? Yeah, Steve came like ten episodes in. Um, okay. And he joined like as a producer right off the bat and you know his his role has grown exponentially since since then right. um and like i i mean me and steve always uh like we have like a on-air rapport where like we we fucking hate each other and i can't uh, i can't tell if it's a bit or not i can so never that's tell the best that's bit. that's the best part and I nobody I don't nobody ever I, knows me and I steve don't even bit. know me and Steve don't even know. Sometimes I'm just like, I fucking hate you. But I will say, uh, I will say, Steve is very good at what he does, and Steve yeah. um, has had a huge role in uh, in growing that podcast. Like, I don't think that it would be where it is today without Steve's contributions. Um, not necessarily like on the mic, because fuck Steve, he's not interesting and he's not funny. But like, he is so good at uh at social and, and putting the clips out there and and driving that sort of growth via channels that 
are really important for growing a podcast. What went into your decision to leave? Because at that point, I believe it was actually starting to grow pretty quickly. Was there, was it kind of just like, I just don't want to do this anymore? Or was it more so just like, I have too much going on. I can't be on this. And I don't really, because you're not a huge baseball guy anyway, right? Like, or, I know you, you, you'll watch it, but you're not like hardcore like Steve and Jared in that way. Yeah. So the, the idea of when we started the podcast was like, Jared is the most diehard Red Sox fan that you'll ever find in, in the yep. entire world. And I'm very casual. Like I'm a casual Red Sox fan. I'll watch a bunch of games and I'll obviously root for the team, but I, I will not be able to tell you like one through 25 or like one through 40 on the roster. And, uh, <laughs> right. and like our, our idea was, well, that's, that's a good thing because like I'll learn from Jared and I'll be able to provide a more casual uh, casual perspective and then we can up, up, uh, appeal to both sides and so when once Steve came on it was the, I felt like the discussion was more being dominated by like two guys who were fucking obsessed with the Red Sox and I was able to, to contribute less and less um, and you know just like at the time I uh, I had more stuff going on and, and uh, like really busy and I wanted to to, to start up a hockey podcast and, and, and do some, some things that I, I would feel more passionate about. Like, again, if I'm not totally passionate about something, I'm not going to half-ass it. I'm not going to, uh, like, I, I, there's a willingness for me to, to get out. And I've always right. said that about, like, my full-time job, too. Like, if I felt like, um, if I felt like I wasn't fully enjoying my job or if I felt like my job was dampening my, my passion for sports – I would just go do something else because like right. sports are too important to me. So, so like at, there came a point where I felt like I wasn't providing enough value to the podcast and it wasn't worth my time to continue doing it. And I also think that there was a, a like a sense of like bitterness towards Barstool because it had fallen underneath underneath the uh, the Barstool umbrella. And when I before I had gone to CBS, I interviewed with Barstool and I had a couple of conversations with Dave and Dave he was nice enough. He was just like, we, we don't want you because you're like everybody else here and we want to do different things. And I was like, well, I, I kind of get it, but there was like a, 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 a lingering resentment towards Barstool. So at that point I was just kind of like, well, screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave. I mean, it makes sense. I, I feel like you also had a brunch going on at the same time, right? Right. So I kind of wanted to, yeah. I, yeah, I kind of wanted to like put, not spread myself so thin and, and sort of put all my eggs in into like my own baskets. And, you know, I, I do feel like I was a big part of section 10, but it was, it was also very much Jared's baby. And so I yeah. kind of wanted to, um, to do my own thing and sort of put my eggs in, in, in a basket where I felt like I had, uh, like control, I suppose. And brunch is still going on today. Uh, which, uh, you got you and DJ are hilarious on. I, I I've listened. To, I I'm not like an avid listener. I can't like. There's I, there's too many podcasts these days. I don't know. But I I listen here and there, and it's it's always a good time to listen to. How did it start? And like, did you guys go into into it with like the mindset of all right, we're gonna monetize this, we're gonna make this something, or were you guys just like two buds just having like talking and then recording it and throwing it out there? Hopefully, people like it. Uh, yeah, very much the, the latter. We I, I are, we are so bad with, with monetizing brunch. Like it, it is, um, it is 
we can make money from it and yeah. we have made money from it over the years we could have made so much more money but we are both <laughs> just we just both don't care and it's right. it's so painful because we we're just leaving money on the table because we're just like well we just kind of like want to do this for fun and so I, I i do believe that like brunch could lose all of its listeners in one day and we just like wouldn't notice we would just still meet once a week and and make a podcast and just have a have a a bunch of fun doing it but for, for how it started it was um i i had sort of developed a relationship with dj via twitter um with brewing stuff and then when he got his radio show with wei he asked me if i wanted to come on as like a third voice basically like a like an internet correspondent for the show um and i said yeah and so we we sort of like developed an irl relationship uh from from that and it, you know kind of took off and we would we would text and we'd start finding out that like we had a lot of similar interests and similar humor style uh via our text chain and then like we would text a ton and then at some point it was just like well why don't we stop having these conversations via text and why don't we just turn this into a podcast and that's basically what the podcast is like it's such a difficult podcast to explain because it is so all over the place but it's essentially just like me and dj's texts about what we're watching what we're interested in what stupid jokes we're making and it's just in podcast form has there ever been a point where you guys sort of butt heads because you were taking it seriously because that's happened to me before where i hosted a podcast with just say kind of the same concept like oh we're taught like these conversations are funny let's turn it into podcast form and maybe other people will enjoy it and it turned into kind of like uh oh i'm doing more work here can you do this and the other person doesn't kind of do i don't want to call this person out because they're probably gonna listen to this but like that's kind of how it went um is, has there ever been a point like that with you for brunch yeah, I mean, there have, there have definitely been points where it's like, uh, where it's like, well, I, I don't feel like you're as committed as we, as we should be, especially like with the money thing, where it's like, we, we, this is growing, we can be making money, we can turn this yeah. into something. Like, for a while, I was like, I want brunch to be my full time job. And um, like, priorities like that sort of, like, they change, like, depending on where you are in, in your full time job. Um, it's just like you have to be able to prioritize things in your life and, and at different points i will say too like brunch hasn't been my first priority for uh for a little bit and i know that's frustrated dj and it that sort of like flip-flops and i so i think the frustration is there but at like the end of the day uh it's it's not super it's it's never gonna like drive a wedge i feel like because we just both like doing i mean we're we're great friends and yep at the end of the day, it's just us talking for like uh, an hour or two a week. And then people enjoy listening to that. So um, it, it, we could be a lot better about like prioritizing it and monetizing it, but you know, it's not something that we're passionate about. We're passionate about making the podcast. So like, right. the, I think the best case scenario would for us to have like, somebody who does all like the the work for us like the does the like the, basically manages the podcast while we just make it um sort of a producer i guess like just a third guy yeah like and yeah. and we've discussed it but like a dj and i and i totally get where he's coming from dj is sort of like a not a control freak but like it's his baby and he doesn't yeah. want somebody else to kind of like handle his baby 
And like, we both have the confidence to like, Hey, we could do this. We'll be fine on our own. We should be smart enough to be like, well, if we get the right person, they'll be able to help us. <laughs> this will go a long way towards, uh, towards making, uh, to, towards bringing us to where we want to go. Well, it's tough too, because like you were saying, you guys share the same interests, right? And there's such like, they're not exactly interests that everyone else has. You guys have unique interests. So yeah. finding a third person who could just fit right in and be like, oh, I know everything that these guys are talking about. It's not going to be as easy as say, finding like a, you know, a producer for a baseball podcast. It's not quite the same thing. Yeah, I will say, like, we have the weirdest interest, and um, it's just, like, every tweet that we send from the brunch account is appealing to maybe seven people. (laughs) That's the beauty of it, though. Right, yeah, and and we do have this ability to sort of, like, introduce people to things that are so weird that, but they, like, trust us for whatever reason, and they're like, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, open up our world to the to these things and we bring we bring the listeners into what we're the weird stuff that we're into and i that's probably my favorite part of the podcast you mentioned earlier prioritizing and how you kind of have to manage your time in a way that best suits you obviously your full-time job has to come first and you have all these other things that go along with it but you work full-time you write you podcast make videos you stream which we can get to in a sec you do all this stuff and you do it at a pretty high level. How do you, I guess my question is just how the hell do you do it? But like, how has it affected your personal life? Like what is your work-life balance like? Uh, it's so like, I don't, Oh man. I, I know it's a loaded question. But. I don't have the answer. Like I, yeah. especially right now, like I don't have a social life. <laughs> I, so I that's like, tough that people got to think of that. If you want to be successful in all these different areas, you've got to sacrifice that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, even when I was in college and when I was doing the blog in college, like I would say no to hanging out with friends. Like if there was a game on, like if the Super Bowl was on this, ha- this legitimately happened for like a four year span, Friends would be like, "We're gonna go to this place to watch the Super Bowl. You you gonna come?" I was like, "No, I'm gonna I'm just gonna stay home because it's a huge sporting event, and I can use this to like further my career. Like like everybody's gonna have their eyes on Twitter, and um like the, the exposure could be huge. And so you'll get an eye roll in return, right? Kind of like you'll get like, like whatever. There'd be a lot of like like nobody reads your blog. What do you, who what do you why do you care? And, and like and like well, been there well, yeah Pete's gonna stay home instead of come hang out with us and it's like well yeah because I, I sort of like had my eyes on like the long-term benefits of doing that and I do think that that's where a lot of people go wrong is like they're they're like I'm gonna start a blog I want to be a sports writer I can do this I have good opinions on sports it's like yeah you have good opinions on sports and you have good takes or whatever but like are you gonna put in the work and the commitment to like establish yourself in that space and a lot of people the answer is no, because like they think that being a sports personality or being a sports writer is just being a sports fan. And it's not true. Like you have to be committed to the actual work aspects of the job. And so, and so like for me, I've always been willing to sacrifice like the social aspect of sports and the social aspects of my life to push my career further. And I know that sometimes it sucks and like I would love to just like watch the Bruins play in the Stanley Cup final like go
go, I'd love to go to the game and be a fan and get drunk and watch the game. And so I have to recognize that like, if I want to be taken seriously and I want to further myself in the field, I sometimes I can't do that stuff. Like sometimes I just have to quote unquote work the game. And so uh, I've always been willing to do that. And, you know, I, I, don't think that'll change, but if it does, if like, if there is a point where I, I just would really like to, I, I don't want to say like be a fan because I'm still a fan. Um, yeah. but like, if I want to do that stuff more, I would be willing to leave sports. If you did leave sports, is there something you kind of have as a backup plan? Like other say, say sports and pop culture, right? It's probably not going to be off the table. You've already established yourself, but say you just can't do that type of, content producing what is there anything else that would like suit you because i i think everyone looks at you as like just a content producer like i don't know what else he's interested in maybe music or like stuff like that but again that's pop culture how is there anything else that you would be interested in pursuing um so i think like where where my skill sets line me up uh, i could be like a social media manager for like any sort of company i guess um and uh like I've always said like I would love to work for a brewery. I like I love breweries and and I love beer and and so like being a social media manager for a brewery like as as doesn't sound very luxurious, but that's something that I think that I could could do. Um and I think that it would be better for my personal life. Um True. So I like I could definitely I could definitely see myself doing that. Um I don't necessarily have a backup plan, but like I I love podcasting and and obviously I I've, I've been in that space for a while. Um, so like if I did have the opportunity to do a podcast where like that blew up and it was a full-time job, I would a hundred percent be into that. Um, like I love, I love streaming and stuff. Like I'm obviously not to the point where that's even remotely a possibility to, to be like a full-time streamer and I suck at video games. So <laughs> it probably never will be, but, um, I, I really enjoy that space. And if that were ever a possibility to do that full-time, that would at this point in time, like that is the dream. That's a perfect segue because I wanted to actually talk to you. Uh, I've noticed you started YouTube, you started Twitch, you're getting into that space. Um, you kind of answered one of my questions, which is whether you are interested in turning that into a full-time gig. I'm not really aware of how much work it takes to get to that point, but I can imagine it's in, in an insane amount. Mm -hmm. um, what is like, first off, are you editing everything by yourself or is that kind of you're on your own you're doing the youtube stuff like the editing you're setting up the twitch stream by yourself like is this all you no i actually ha i have a video editor like i'm so okay. i i just don't have the time anymore but like the, yeah. the benefit to that is like i'm making pretty good money in my full-time job so like i'm paying a guy to be my video editor gotcha. um and so uh, like that's a luxury that I, I never used to have. Like I used to edit all my own stuff and, and now I, I just don't have the time. So I'm very happy to be able to pay somebody to do it for me because it's so time it's consuming. Hard. Yeah. It's very hard and it's time consuming, especially for like the Twitch stuff, because when I stream, I'm usually streaming for like four hours at a time. And so like to, to, to go through a, a few different streams and pull out clips and, and it's just, a, it's definitely a time commitment that I can't make right now. Um, so I'm happy to have, uh, the guy that, that does it for me. Um, what, 
what uh what got you into the space in the first place was this something you've always kind of had weighing on your mind or was it just like a product of being home all the time Quar- like quarantine was happening at the time and uh you that's that's when you kind of started right or at least that's when it kind of became a yeah thing. so so i've been streaming for like over a year um like last gotcha. year i think i created a, a twitch account and like very sporadically maybe once a month once every couple of months i would just like jump on stream for five to ten people and uh like it was never really a, a, a i would say it wasn't a hobby or an interest of mine it was just something that like i occasionally did um right. and to dip my toes into the space uh once quarantine started i was like i'm gonna be stuck in the house i just got this gaming pc i have the ability to to do this now um from like a technical standpoint so i'm gonna try it and so I sort of committed to doing that regularly. And so I've been, I would say probably at, at this point, like nine months of, of doing it pretty regularly. And it's gone way better than I ever could have imagined already. Um, and just in terms of being able to like establish a community and, and put yeah. up some, some pretty good numbers and uh, make some money from it, which is, I, I never had the intention of being like, I'm going to make money from this. Uh, it's It was just sort of like a, well, I love playing video games. If I can play video games and like expand a brand, I guess like that was my intention. So now, like I've, it's become not only like a, a, an expanded hobby; it's become a second source of income, which is amazing to be it's able great, to, yeah. to to make money while you can't leave the house and stuff. Um, right. So um, that's that's been really awesome, and and so it's taken off. I enjoy it so much at this point. Is that more so YouTube or Twitch or do they kind of complement each other? Like where do you see most of your, your gains, I guess, for your following and for monetizing where, where are you seeing it more? Is it a combination? Uh, It's definitely a combination Uh, Twitch, Twitch a hundred percent, like pushed me in the direction of YouTube because it's, it's hard. I'll tell you, like, it is extremely hard to grow a following on Twitch um, because it just in general, the way that Twitch is, set up is you know you gotta like make uh, your own footprint and it is hard to go viral i guess gaming um and especially now where that space is so saturated with people like me who are like well i'm gonna be stuck in the house i may as well try this out um, oh i can maybe make money from playing video games like right. sign me up like i think exactly. everyone would do that Everybody's stuck in the house. There are so many people that like lost their job and have a ton of free time. They're like, it makes sense that Twitch would blow up, and and you know it's obviously been a thing for for the handful of years. And I remember a handful of years ago somebody being like, "Yo, you should get into Twitch. It's going to be like the next big thing." And I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And I never really subscribed to like the idea of being interested in watching somebody else play a video game. Right. And not until this year has I have I ever like actually actively done that it's actually become an interest of mine to watch other people play um which is somewhere that i never thought would happen but here we are and uh so like it's sort of like podcasts now where everybody has their podcast everybody has a podcast so it's incredibly tough to crack that market and to sort of differentiate yourself um everybody has a twitch account now and and everybody's moving there so it is incredibly difficult to grow but one of the things that I've constantly heard is that um, you it's easier to grow on YouTube than it is on Twitch. So 
a lot of people who are trying to grow on Twitch will set up a YouTube with like a gaming channel, but and not necessarily stream on YouTube, but like post videos and then convert those people to follow them over to Twitch. And so that's what I, that's basically why I started my YouTube channel. Gotcha. How often do you deal with people like maybe older people who look like they're like, I don't get it. Like what, what's the deal? Like watching people play video games, you play video game. I don't get it. Like how often do you deal with that? Because I had a conversation with someone, an older person recently. I, again, I don't want to call anyone out, but it was just like shitting on video games. Like I don't understand where this generation's going, but little do they know you can do what you're doing and make a side income. And, or if, if it blows up, it can be a full-time thing. Have you ever had those conversations and what do you tell those people? Um, I mean, not really. It's, it's strangely enough. Like I always get the, like the stick to sports thing. Um, well not, not always anymore because I think that anybody who follows me knows that like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stick to sports, but like new followers a lot of the time are like, yo, I follow you for hockey. Why are you tweeting about this? And it's like, blah, 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 blah. I haven't got a lot of that with, with video games for whatever reason. There have been a few, like, what the hell is this? (laughs) <laughs> but like, I, I, that's like the extent of it, really. Honestly, it's just like, I think that people who don't get it, don't get it, but they're quiet about it. So yeah. they just kind of like, just leave it alone, which is nice. And uh, like, I appreciate that. So, um, you know, it's, there hasn't been a lot of pushback, I guess. I have noticed that uh, I, I've, I don't usually monitor like my follows on Twitter. Um, but I have noticed that my numbers have, have like decreased. I've lost followers, but I think, and I do think that it's because like, I have been tweeting a lot about like, Hey, going live on Twitch or like posting my video games, video game clips on Twitter. And I do think that like a lot of people aren't interested in that and they don't want that on their timeline. And so they unfollow, which I mean, is totally fine. I, I, I'd rather I, that I, than have but, some trolls in my mentions being like, Fuck right, you. exactly. You're right. And so I've always said nerd. that. Yeah, I've always I've always said that, like, it doesn't bother me if people unfollow. It bothers me when people try to dictate like what I'm doing. Right. So if you're not interested, unfollow. Like, like it totally 100%. doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so many different platforms now. Obviously, we just talked about Twitch, YouTube. We can go down the list. Twitter. Now you got a podcast. You got to do this. You got to do that. And this this field is gr- like there's so many different things you have to do now or be relevant in in order to build. I hate saying brand, but it really is like you're building your personal like your personal brand or whatever the hell you want to call it. What do you think it's going to look like? Like, say someone enters this field in like five, ten years what are they going to have to do to separate themselves? Because it seems like it's really every market gets saturated so quickly. How do you separate yourself from the pack? Yeah. So the thing that I've, and I think this was true, even when I entered the, the, the field is that like, you can't be, you can't be a, uh, like, a uh, a, somebody who's good at one thing like you can be the, was the best. first thing i learned when i yeah. when i when, when i had my internships at undercard i was like you have to be vers- versatile mm-hmm. which at that point meant like write and maybe podcast and like a couple videos now it's just so many things you have to you have to be able to i mean you don't have to but like you will help yourself if you are able to like write edit video edit audio uh like no socials and and be able to do a, a million different things it, it honestly, like you can be the best writer in the world. Uh, you're probably going to have a tough time finding a job if that's like the only thing that you're doing because it, the, the landscape is shifting so much. And like we've seen, even the best writers constantly get laid off. Right. And like 
the the industry is not not exploding, I guess. And I think people are reading less and less, and that's why um, that's why that's like the best writers are are struggling. So um, you know, you have to be able to to be able to do other things and provide value in other places. And uh, you know, especially with you know a lot of the the industry places losing money, they're trying to consolidate their workforce. And so if there's somebody who's a better writer, but they can only do one thing, they might hire somebody else who's a little worse, but they can do other things so they can hire less people. So gotcha. uh, doing being versatile is really going to help your case. But if you're versatile and like you were just saying how everybody has a podcast and it's, it's just such a saturated market in podcasting, writing, there's a million better, right? No matter how good of a writer you think you are, there's probably a million better writers out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can say the same thing for pretty much any platform. How, like, I, I guess you can be versatile, but is there a way someone can kind of uh, separate themselves from the pack or are they kind of just like, is, if you're good, if you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not, and you're not going to make it. Like, how, what should, do people need to come to that realization? I think self-awareness is huge. Um, yeah. Like, you, you have to know, you can be versatile, but you have to uh, be versatile and be, be willing to try different things and recognize what you're good at and mm-hmm. be able to try to grow with, with those things. Um, you, know, I, you know, I think that it's, it's important to, to recognize, like, where, not necessarily, like, recognize where things are going, but, like, what's going to help you moving forward. And um, like, you know, I know that I'm not the, the best writer in terms of just like the English language. <laughs> I'm not yeah. like the most articulate writer, uh, but like my personality. So like I lean on my personality. I lean on my ability to do other things and, and, um, and like uh, be able to do social media, do uh, like video editing and, and audio editing. So, you know, I think that it's, it's important to be self-aware and to realize what you're good at and what you need to work on. And also like what's going to help you the most moving forward. What do you enjoy doing the most? What actually comes easiest to you and is just most enjoyable for you personally out of all the different forms of content production? Um, I would say like podcasting uh, is, is probably what I enjoy enjoy the most like i've i love writing and i've always loved writing but i just doing it on a daily basis for more than 10 years at this point it does wear you out um and i would love to do it less in in and like i never i never want to go away from it completely um but i do i would like to take a step back and get more into like podcasting and um like tv stuff uh, i've been doing uh, a lot more TV stuff over the past couple of years for CBS, which is really nice and, and really scary. Like it's, it's the first time that I've haven't felt comfortable in, in like my work place and, and like what I'm doing professionally. And I think that's a really good thing. Like if you right. feel totally comfortable and, um, and like just kind of laid back, I don't think you're pushing yourself enough. So how do you grow? You know? Right, exactly. So, uh, I definitely kind of sucked at the beginning when I was doing TV stuff, but over the past couple of years, I think I've gotten much better. I still think that I need to get a lot better and it's going to come with the reps. So I appreciate like CBS for having patience and still giving me the opportunity that they are. So, um, you know, I, I would like to continue doing more of that stuff and taking a, a tiny step back from writing. 
Uh, we can leave off with a few quick questions. Uh, first off, are you going with PS5 or Xbox? What's, what's the next move? Uh, I was undecided for a while, but I think I'm going to go PS5. Um, I've been, I was a PlayStation four guy. Um, I, I don't know. Like it's the, the thing is, I think what made my decision for me was that I am on PC now. And like, I'm, I'm mostly a PC gamer. Um, so like any games since like Xbox is Microsoft, any games that I can play on Xbox, I'm going to be able to play on PC, uh, because it. it's, because it's Microsoft based. And I'm just going to get the PS5 because uh, of the exclusives. Like, I am a huge, huge, like, PS5 exclusive guy. And so uh, I think that sort of made the decision for me. So what kind of games are you streaming now? And what do you hope to be streaming, like, soon? What, what like, is there anything? I know you do NHL. I, I'm not sure what else, to be, to be honest. So, like, is there any other games that you're interested in streaming? Or um, So I do NHL. I do... Um, I do some Warzone, some Call of Duty. Gotcha. Um, basically, I'm down to stream whatever. And, like, we do some weird computer games, too, every now and then. Like, we did over Halloween for a couple of weeks, we did, um, like, a, a scary game where you're, like, hunting ghosts. And, okay. and like, that stuff is fun. And, honestly, yeah. like, I'm down to stream whatever as long as it's a good time. And, uh, like, some of these games are not necessarily the best games, but, like, they're fun when you're with other people and right. when you like are able to engage with the, like the audience in the chat. And, and, and so like there are games that I love that aren't, aren't good stream games because they're not that interesting to watch um, from a viewer perspective as they might be for you to play. And right. there are some games that like require your, your full attention. And for me, like when I stream, I want to be able to interact with the chat. I want to be able to see like what the chat's saying. And um, there are just some games that don't allow that. So it, I'm open to whatever, but uh, it has to be a game that, is, that makes sense for, for like the way that I stream, I guess. Have you gone to Am- into Among Us yet? Because I oh, haven't yeah. gone into that. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you I, recommend I it? I love Among Us. Yeah, I love it. It's so much fun. I've, I've been holding fr- off. It now. is very frustrating at times, but I would highly recommend it. All right, fair enough. What is this? I gotta ask you this. What is this Queen's Gambit bit? What is going oh. on? You really won't watch it? No, I'm, I'm not gonna watch it. I, I, it so it's it is, not a bit. No, it's a bit. Like it's it's <laughs> it's definitely a bit. Like I, it didn't start off as a bit. It, I'll say that. Like I was okay. just like, I'm not gonna watch this because I'm so sick of everybody like trying to tell me what I should watch. And and I That's guess a fair point. I guess like the real trigger point for me was everybody being so obsessed with Tiger King at the beginning of quarantine. Um, like, everybody was like, you have to watch Tiger Overrated. King. Like, how, how are you not watching Tiger King? And, like, it, it was just the flavor of the month. Nobody has talked about Tiger King. And I, I would honestly say that, like, I would, I would guess that, like, most people at this point would be like, fuck Tiger King. Um, oh, 100%. They just, just got overexposed to it. And so, yeah. like, I, I'm really sick of the, the attitude that, like, we all have to subscribe to the flavor of the month on Netflix because Netflix has so much content right now. Right. And, it, and, and like the shelf life of it is so quick. And, and I wasn't interested in the queen's gambit when I watched the trailer and everybody's telling me that you got to watch the queen's gambit. It's the best show ever. It's like, well, everybody has a best show ever every single month. So like, if I can just wait this one out, I'm not going to watch it because I'm not interested in it. And when the next thing comes, you can tell me that I have to watch that too. <laughs> but I, if I'm interested in it, maybe I'll watch it. If I'm not, I'm not going to watch it. So uh, that was basically the way that, that this started. And 
I would say that like Queen's Gambit fans are the top five most annoying people in the in. in I wouldn't the world. expect and, that. And That's like, crazy. There's like a niche like that. <laughs> the, the Queen's Gambit people are so annoying, and they're like you. You have to watch the show. Like you're an idiot if you're not watching the show. And DJ said that like for him that was Breaking Bad fans because he was late on the Breaking Bad train, and I was one of the people that was like. How are you not watching Breaking Bad? You have to watch that's a Breaking whole Bad. Nother, that's a whole nother tier, though. Like, I've seen Queen's Gambit, and it's a good show, and I, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, Breaking Bad is known as arguably like one of the best shows ever. The best show ever, undisputed. Like, if yeah. you look at any rankings, Breaking Bad is number one or number two, probably right around Sopranos or something like that. The Wire, yeah. It's like The, the Wire, Wire, Breaking Bad, and Sopranos are usually, like, the top three there. Yeah, so like to even hold Queen's Gambit, I again I like it, but like to even hold it in that conversation is absurd. Yeah, um, and I'm and like for Breaking Bad, I was and knowing that DJ was would love it, I was pushing it on him. But like I'm not usually the kind of person that is like you have to watch this show. What are you doing? Why aren't you watching this show? Like I I I watch what I'm interested in, and if I'm not interested, I'm not going to watch it. And so like I kind of get that for other people where you know if they say like. Yeah, I, I I bet that it's pretty good, but I just, I just, I'm not gonna watch it. I'm just like, all right, whatever. I mean, like, I, I enjoy it. I, I think I think you might like it. Take that for what you will. The Queen's Gambit fans are crazy. They're like, like you you you're costing yourself. You're playing yourself. Blah blah blah. And like, it happens every time that like I make a joke about not watching the Queen's Gambit. So like, it's sort of a situation where that fuels me to only go harder into being like i'm not watching the queen's gambit so yeah. now it now it's become that sort of bit do they kind of just come out of the woodwork like random people find your tweet or is it actually your followers who are yelling at you for not watching it uh, i think it's both because like i think that like my followers will quote tweet it and be like fucking idiot or like playing yourself and like their followers will find it and they'll try to dunk on me and being like well Queen's Gambit is the best show ever. So what are you doing? And so like, it's just, it's a snowball effect and it happens every single time I do one of those tweets. So I'm not going to stop doing it until people stop being annoying about it. I respect the hell out of that. So I know you're not in the business of telling people what to watch, but is there any show recommendations you will leave, leave off with recommendations, not screaming at people to watch it? Um, it's interesting. Cause like, what I've been doing recently is like a lot of um, a lot of catching up and a lot of mini series. And both of those things are kind of difficult to, re- to recommend. Yeah. Um, uh, like for the past while I've been watching a teacher on Hulu, I've been watching the undoing um, on I've been HBO. Told to watch the undoing at least by, by at least 10 different people. Yeah. Like it was good. And uh, like, I would recommend it. I have recommended it to uh, several people, but like the finale sort of wasn't the best, I guess. Mm. And uh, I don't know. I would say that I wouldn't say that it was like spectacular. It was very enjoyable and very good. Um, But you know, not nothing spectacular. I, I wouldn't recommend a teacher. Uh, I mean, like I, 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 I enjoy a teacher and I'm watching a teacher and I'm interested in the teacher and like, it's become a big part of the podcast because it is such an interesting show to talk about but it is so uncomfortable. It is such a cringe show based off the subject matter. Um, like, I don't know if you, do you know anything about a teacher? I've actually never heard about it. And now it's I'm a, interested in checking it out. It's what? a teacher who has sex with her student. Like they have, okay. she has an affair with like her high school student. And so okay. 
it is a very uncomfortable show. That is uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting plot. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, there was a lot of um, like, I I need to see what this show is about. Like, I need to see how this show handles this, this subject matter. Was it, was it critically acclaimed or anything like that? Or were you just like, I gotta, I gotta check it out. I don't even know what it is. An interesting part of it was that it is, there was a movie first. The movie came out like five years ago or something like that. And the, the miniseries is by the same person that did the movie. But okay. the movie wasn't really like critically acclaimed. It kind of got like mixed reviews and a lot of people thought that it was bad. And yeah. um, so it's interesting to me that like people didn't like the movie and they then she got the same opportunity to, to expand on it and make a show about it. Um, but I also do think that like there are there are situations where I think that a movie is better served to be a, a uh, ha- have more time dedicated to it and like to be turned into a miniseries might actually help the person like execute the vision that they have. So um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's an uncomfortable watch, but uh, I've been, I've been doing that. And um, you know, I actually just got into cheers. I've been watching cheers. Uh, okay. I'd never seen Throwback. cheers. All I've right. never seen Cheers, so I, I've been watching that and I've been really, really enjoying it. But no strong recommendations on like the, the TV show front at the moment. Yeah, I feel like there hasn't been too much lately. Although uh, I will say Better Call Saul will be coming back oh. at some point soon. And I think that uh, the last season or the last couple seasons of Better Call Saul have been like the best television that I've seen in a long, long time. Couldn't agree more. That show, that show is a must watch. If you want to like forget the Queen's Gambit shit, that show, I honestly, it's a slow burn at the beginning, but like it's such a slow burn. And so like, I, I understand, like I always recommend Better Call Saul, but I understand um, that it's not for everybody. Like if you're, if you're like the kind of person that wants an Ozark where there's something happening at oh, all, yeah, the, all like the that, time yeah. and it's moving, the plot is moving forward like crazy. Right. Um, then like you, you might not like Better Call Saul, but Better Call Saul uh, is a slow burn and it is like one of the best slow burns that you will ever be able to take in. And I trust Vince Gilligan with my life. Uh, yeah. He is so good at, at what he does. The show writers, everybody who writes Better Call Saul is incredible with, with like the way that they develop these characters and the way that they play out like the dialogue and these relationships. It's unbelievable. And I, I look forward to that show more than I've looked forward to like any show, I guess, since Breaking Bad. I'm in the same boat. I don't even know when it's coming out. Like what, have they even been able to like start producing it or anything? Like, I don't even know. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. And I feel like that show takes forever. Absolutely. In between seasons. Like it's, it's gotta be like a year and a half between seasons. And I think the, uh, the scene when they're in the desert, like that, or I should say the whole episode when they're in the desert, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but I think, but Mike and Saul are in the desert and they're just kind of mm-hmm. walking. I think that scene itself or that episode itself took like a month to do. So just that one episode or that yeah, one I mean, like, it's a com- And then like, it's a commitment to like how much time they spend on the show to perfect it. And yeah. so like, I'm totally down with how long they take between seasons, oh, yeah. as long as it leads to what they've been churning out. So I don't know when it comes back, but when it does, I'm going to be the most excited person in the world because that is my favorite show on TV right now. I hear you. Same here. That's a great way to leave off. Thanks a lot, Pete, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Like I said, it's been a long time coming. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we can do it, this again at some point. 
Um, maybe Absolutely. whenever the pandemic's over, we can actually do something in person. That'd be great. I'd, I'd yeah, love to sure. get out of the house. Absolutely. Same here. All right. Thanks, Pete. Have a good one.